And uh, yes, thank you to the worship team and Sarah for leading, and uh, it's just been wonderful to have uh, uh, more worship leaders around. Mic is working, yes? Is the mic working? Can you hear me? Okay. That wasn't really a rhetorical question. <laughs> try, to, try to keep up. <laughs> um, <laughs> not off to a great start, I'll give you that. That's my time, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh-oh, now they're starting to talk back. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, back when, when I was in my, my 20s and young, as a young man, um, much thinner, of course, <laughs> I, uh, I, when I was at university, I went to what's called Crandall University. It was a Christian university. And so, uh, you know, as, as a young person, as a smaller school than a lot of other universities, I had the opportunity to get to know a lot of the people that were there. And, um, you know, it was focused around a lot of things like worship and music. And I was very involved in those things. And, and as a result, I was often on stage and a lot of people got to know me and I got to know them. And I, um, was often invited to sort of lead worship and do different things like that. I really enjoyed that time. I mean, I'm still doing many of those same things today. And uh, I enjoyed just the chance to get to know a lot of people and travel around the Maritimes a little bit. Um, and one day I was visiting a friend of mine who um, was also a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor in my 20s. And uh, I was at his house and he said, by the way, in a few minutes, one of my youth might be stopping by. And just to kind of warn you, uh, she might act a little weird around you. And I said, why, why is that? Like, have we ever met? Like, do I know her? And he said, no, it's, it's, um, well, she kind of, she gets intimidated by minor Christian celebrities. <laughs> and I was kind of like scratching my head. I was like, am I a minor Christian celebrity? What is that even? I thought that was so strange at the time. And that phrase has stuck with me all these years. And I, I use it like, uh, kind of sarcastically and mocking. I certainly don't think of myself as much of a celebrity. Um, but, you know, in our world today, we sure do like celebrities, don't we? We sure do revere people um, who are seen as having some status or, you know, often celebrities are better looking. <clears throat> and uh, sometimes, you know, that's why I don't feel like I fit that mold, right? But so, But there's this sense that we... we uh, value people who are in the spotlight simply because they're in the spotlight. How they got there sometimes doesn't even matter to us. And we um, often value uh, people because they look good or they have some kind of status or they're, they're good at some kind of skill or something like that. When I was a young person growing up, um, there was kind of this already a celebrity culture that I was seeing and experiencing in churches where if a celebrity said that they you know had started going to church or maybe had become a Christian, it was like Christians everywhere were like, they're one of us, they're one of us. And they would start to try to get that person to come and speak, you know, at different conferences or events and try to, you know, give them a platform to represent Jesus. But it was kind of like, well, I, I'm just new at this and I don't even, I don't know how to speak about Christ yet. I'm just a baby in this. But they they were somehow more valuable because they were a celebrity. And I've seen sometimes in recent years that even pastors become celebrities, which is a foolish thing. I mean, it's just, it's just bizarre to me to think about this, but we've seen kind of the rise and fall. In fact, uh, some of you will know when Justin Bieber 
became a, a Christian and a follower of Christ, his pastor suddenly became kind of a celebrity pastor. But if you followed that story, you saw that actually that celebrity pastor was just as messed up as a lot of other people. And the scandals that followed brought him down. And we can tend to do that in our world. It's, it's like the human condition is, you know, pushing us towards putting people up and holding them up on a pedestal or a platform and elevating them up. We want to look to people and, and sort of value them. We want to, and it's kind of faulty. And, and what can happen in churches is we start to elevate people into positions that are more prominent, more valuable. And what I want to do today partly is to say that pursuit of power expressed in the desire for celebrity is not for the church. It's not for us as a community of people who follow Jesus. And one of the things that can happen in churches is that there gets to be a pastor or a leader of any kind and people start to say, well, you know, you've got to come to the church. You've got to hear my pastor. And then it becomes, well, the pastor did a really good sermon or the pastor did a really bad sermon. Which I, I appreciate. When I go and I'm in a congregation, I'd like to hear a good sermon. But it's not about the pastor. It's not about me. And it's not about any one of you either. It's about Jesus. And if we miss that mark, and if we make a person to be the celebrity, the focus of whether or not this church is any value, we will crumble and fall very quickly. And it will not amount to anything. And what I want to make sure, because it even happens in congregations of our size, where the pastor becomes the focus of the ministry so much so that if the pastor ever dies or moves away or gets hospitalized for a long period of time the church starts to fall apart because it doesn't know what to do. It's it's all focused around the pastor. And I want to say to you, we can't be that way. And as we grow, and as we grow, and we've been growing, we can't be built on me or any one of you. We need to be built on Jesus and focused around who he is shaping us as a community. And so I want to, we've been looking at the stories from uh, the Acts, the book of Acts in the Bible. And we've been talking about starter cultures. Starter cultures are something like yeast. And Jesus talked about um, how the kingdom is. And he said, uh, it's like yeast in dough, where it permeates through and it causes it all to rise and grow and become more and more. And the good news of Jesus is meant to permeate every aspect of our lives so that it grows and grows to fill all of us but also all of us as a community together, we grow and grow and expand into something even bigger and greater and better than before. So the yeast of the starter culture and the starter culture of the early church is what we've been looking to for inspiration for who we are to be as a community of God. And I want to look at a few different scenes today. Uh, last week I said that it was going to be the last message in the starter culture series, and I just I couldn't put it away just yet. I wanted to do this one more because I thought this is important for us. And, uh, and then we're going to move on to something else for the summer. But uh, I want to look at the first scene here, which is this. This is Acts chapter 14, verses 11 through 15. So what happens here is that Paul, uh, he's one of the apostles. He, um, he is out and he's with Barnabas and they are, um, they're just 
telling people the good news about Jesus. They're trying to explain the story of Jesus. And one of the aspects of the kingdom of God, one of the aspects of Jesus' kingdom, is that as things are being made right in the world, that even people's physical health gets improved. And there's this miraculous healing that happens, not because they're amazing, but because Jesus does it by the power of his Holy Spirit. So it says this, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, now, it's not really Paul, but you understand their perspective, they showed it in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. Now, we don't necessarily talk about celebrities in that language today, but that's kind of the language of celebrity that we have today. These are incredible people. They're more valuable than us. They're gods. We do sometimes say that, though. In fact, we even use the word diva for women, right? Uh, but here it is. They're saying, these men are gods in human form. And they decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and that Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings, just like you. We've come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. And what they're deeply trying to emphasize for the crowd of people around them is, It's not about us. We're not any different from you. And rather than that making that less powerful, in fact, it makes it more powerful. Because what we're here to show you is that anybody and everybody is in on this. This isn't for exclusive people who look good, smell nice, or have some amazing skill or ability. This is for everyday, ordinary people. We're just like you. Paul made tents for a living. Barnabas, not sure what he did, but he probably worked with his hands. These were ordinary people. And as they went around, they weren't trying to say, hey, look at us. They weren't trying to gain more status or privilege. They weren't trying to make money off of this. What they were simply trying to do is say, there's good news for you. The true king, Jesus, has defeated death And you can get in on that now. You don't have to live in fear of this empire of the world. You don't have to live in fear of dying ever. Instead, you can live with a life a life of power and joy where God is present to you and near to you. You should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. And they're talking about this good news, saying it's not about us. Stop looking at us. Stop making us into celebrities. Stop putting us up on a pedestal and saying that we're more important just because we can speak well or because we've got a great physique. So what I want to do today is I want to begin uh, reminding you that even though we hear these stories of the apostles when we read Acts, when we see in the Bible, we, we think of these people as incredible, magnificent pillars of the church, but they were everyday people like you and like me. And that this whole story, the story of Jesus that we are invited into, includes us. Includes us. So let's let's turn the page here to the next slide. And we're going to talk about shared everyday life. We've been coming back to these verses again and again, but I want to make sure you see it clearly. 
Let's go to the next slide, and this is uh, what we've been seeing in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And uh, the, Peter gets up and he's done um, a speech explaining how the Holy Spirit has come and has been available for all people. And then they, as a new people, start acting in a new way. And it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So if we stopped there, you would think like, okay, yeah, the, the apostles are the center of this all. But you see very quickly something different. They also devoted themselves to fellowship. That means it was just as important for them to be with each other. That's that everyday life. They were just devoted to hanging out and being a community of people. And that was really, really important in the kingdom of God. They also devoted themselves to sharing in meals. Something we do every day. And they made a priority to eat together. Which is why we've been having a potluck and next week is a barbecue. We want to have times where we just eat together. I want to take those passages about eating together literally because I enjoy eating together. And they also devoted themselves to prayer. These are simple everyday things. These are simple everyday things that we're meant to experience together as a community. And it's all people, all the believers. It's not just the select few that are these mighty, incredible people, celebrities amongst us. It's all of us. This is an everyday life for everyday people. Then flip the page again, and there's a bit of a longer passage a couple verses later in Acts 2. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And we read a phrase like that, and we think, wow, miracles, signs, wonders. Let's focus our attention on the apostles. But you know what? They got a sentence. The miracles, signs, and wonders got a sentence. We didn't get any further stories about that right there. In fact, what Luke, as he's recording all these acts, uh, what he's recording from the early churches, he wants to mention that. And certainly there will be other opportunities later where the miracles will get described. But that's not the focus. The focus is them as a community. And the, uh, the apostles were just one part of it. So it says they had, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, but then it goes on for several other sentences to explain what the community was doing, because that was, that was the focus. All the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. So again, we see this as a daily kind of life and a daily kind of experience. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. So again, this isn't happening. You know, there is the temple worship, but it's happening in everyday homes. Homes like yours, homes like mine. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, again, this is a daily thing, not just a once every Sunday or once every Saturday on the Sabbath, but each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And what I want to use this passage for us for a moment just to reflect on is that the life of faith, the life of the Christian, isn't where we put people on celebrities on the stage. And it's easy to get confused because when we gather on a Sunday, here I am for about half the time that we meet, and I'm on the stage. But it's not about me. My only hope with any of this is for us to begin to focus clearly on Jesus so that when we go about and live the rest of our lives, and when we live in community the rest of the time, which is the majority of our lives, that we're living in a way that's centered around who Jesus is amongst us and what his story 
involves us in. And so it's easy for us to begin to think that the person on the stage is the one who's important, but I get a sentence in the paragraph. And the rest of you fill out all the rest. You're the ones who are eating together. You're the ones who are giving for the needs of other people. You're the ones who are praying together, worshiping daily in your homes. You're doing life in the life of Jesus and the power of the Spirit together. I'm just one person amongst you. I'm just like you. I'm just a normal person. I'm, I'm stunningly human. <laughs> just like you. And so what we need to do as a church is we need to be reminded it's not about a celebrity. It's not about one person. It's about us as a community being formed around the person of Jesus. And that it's about us living this out in life. It's not about a Sunday morning. We could worship any day of the week, and we've done that here. We've worshiped on Tuesday nights instead. It's about us as a community reflecting the person and activity of Jesus. Let's continue on here. So there's a shared responsibility. You know, it it would be easy to think, if it was just about the apostles, that the apostles are going to go around teaching, the apostles are going around doing miracles and wonders and all these incredible things. But actually, since it's not just about that, we each have a shared responsibility. And so very quickly, what happens in the early church is they're forming, they're doing all these things, they're caring for people, and they're, they're meeting together, and they're taking care of each other's needs, they're giving each other food, they're having meals together. Something starts to happen. And it's something that we need to be aware of here for us today. And Let's go to the story now. It's in Acts 6, and we're going to go through a couple different uh, slides on this but it'll set the stage here for us. As the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. So this is some of the first signs of trouble in the early church. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So this was kind of a, a common occurrence that um, amongst the faith it was important for them to be uh, caring for those um, widows, especially, who couldn't provide for themselves. They didn't have the means of working, so people would provide food for them. And you see what's happening here is the people that speak Hebrew, which is the majority of the, the believers there in Jerusalem, they're getting priority. And the people that speak Greek, perhaps because they've moved from another country, they're still Jewish believers, they're still followers of uh, uh, here, but perhaps because they've moved from another country, they're treated as less than, or they're getting overlooked. Now, it's probably not happening intentionally. It's probably just kind of the natural course of things. Because, you know, if you're from here, and you speak the language, and you're part of the culture, and you've got a lot of connections, people are going to notice if you don't get fed. But if you're not from here, well, it's you've got less connections. Maybe there's a language barrier. It's easier to get overlooked. There's less people noticing you. So what happened is the Greek speakers, the quote-unquote outsiders who were less connected, weren't getting what they needed. I want to relate that for us, and maybe you've even already started to draw some lines between dots here. I want to relate this for us in two, two different ways. One is that here on the island, there is a culture of islanders 
and come from a ways, CFAs. Oh, you've heard of that. I don't think anyone's like, oh, tell us more. I have no idea what you're talking about. And I've seen this slip into our language, the way we relate to one another, even here in the church. And that should not provoke laughter. It should be something we are aware of and working against. That we value people more because they're from the island. Because they have connections to more people here. Because that's just not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of the community of God. And it may be a quote-unquote natural tendency for humans to do. And it may be well-intentioned enough and just not happening on purpose. But we as a community of God need to look beyond the lines of people who are like us and embrace those who are marginalized. We need to be people who invite in and care for those who are not being taken care of. We need to look for the person who is the quote-unquote outsider and make sure they get taken care of too. Okay? Anyone feeling convicted? And in our language, we need to make sure that we aren't talking about ourselves as more, oh, you know, this is... I'm an islander born and bred with great pride. It's not wrong to be proud of being from the island, but it's wrong if we elevate that to a point where it makes other people feel diminished because they aren't. And what I think some of you might be surprised by is actually as we look around this room, probably a good half of you aren't from the island. And I'll say this, those of you who are may not realize how you have unintentionally excluded those people. I remember one time I was at Cornwall. We can talk about them, right? Now it feels like, it wasn't like, it's not like us, right? Just get a chance to breathe, okay, for a moment. One time I was at Cornwall, and there was an event happening, and it was, you know, going on, it was going well. And I was walking around just seeing all the pockets of people and, you know, just sort of seeing how things were going. And I, I come up on a group of about five, six people. And they were all just looking around and suddenly realizing, they said, we're all from Ontario. They all thought the other was somehow connected and had been here their whole life. And they were the only one who was an outsider. And they looked around at each other and said, we're all from away. And they were like, oh, what of us? What of us? And I walked into the circle and I said, me too. I'm from away. I was born in Ontario. Oh, it got real quiet there. (laughs) But Church, we need to be cautious of how we unintentionally can erect barriers that exclude people. Because that's just not the way of Jesus. It's not how the church is meant to be, okay? Now, the other barrier here that we can do, and this is the other aspect that we need to consider in this, is those who are new to the church. Forget the cultural sense of whether you're from the island or not, but sometimes what we can do is we can have this attitude within the church that we start to overlook the people who are new here in the congregation. Oh, well, you know, you're not from our church. Well, they're just a guest. We don't really talk like that, do we? No one would ever say that. No, That would never happen. Never. Not in our church. 
But we can start to think, well, they're new here. They don't really get us. And they've got to fit into us if they want to be accepted. And again, that's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus welcomes the newcomer just as much as the person who's been around for a long time. And power structures of communities can elevate the positions of people who've been around for a long time. And certainly we want to honor faithfulness. Certainly we want to honor longevity. Certainly some of you have been here since the very beginning of Stratford, and we're just so thankful that you've stuck it out all these years to make sure that this place is here for all of us. But do you remember a story of Jesus where there's a story of a guy that hires workers at different points of the day, and then the people who are hired in the very last hour get paid the same as the ones at the very start? And they're all like, that doesn't seem fair. And Jesus' story, the point of that is, you're in, you're in. And I bless everyone who comes in. Same amount. So we want to be a church that doesn't overlook people based on culture or heritage or experience. We want to be a church that welcomes everybody in and makes everybody, make sure everybody's needs are addressed and cared for. So I've hardly gotten into this story yet. (laughs) But you see what's happening. There's a discrimination that's happening where the Greek speakers aren't getting fed. They aren't getting cared for. They're not able to participate in the community fully. And that's not the way of Jesus. And so what the apostles do, well, let's read what happens next. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. Now, this might sound like the food program isn't important. That's not at all what they're saying. What they're saying is, we have certain gifts and abilities that would be best utilized in other ways. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Now, what's happening here? What we had, uh, Bill read from the scriptures in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. We heard about various spiritual gifts. And what this is a recognition of is that each person in the community, the fellowship of God, finds our place to take responsibility. We have a gifting. We have an ability that the spirit gives us to contribute to the whole. And so... It would be foolish for me if I ended up, you know, if, if, if I said, well, uh, you know, I'm going to spend all of my time mowing the lawn and painting the walls, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I don't have time to prepare for a sermon. Well, that'd be foolish. Because, you know, God's given me the ability to teach, and he's given me experience and training to do so. And some of you are just way better at mowing the lawn than I am. That's why I pay my son. <laughs> and so... They say, select some other people. Now, listen what happens on the next slide here. Everyone liked this idea. They chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor. I'm not going to read all their names. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Now, what's happening here is the men that are selected are probably Greek-speaking background. So what's going to happen sometimes in our church, you will say, Why is that new person leading that ministry? They don't know us. And the reason is because they're going to make sure that other new people don't get overlooked. Do you see what's happening? 
And so they are going to have eyes that some of the rest of us don't have. And we are going to trust that God is going to gift them to serve the whole. And so they're presented to the apostles who prayed for them and laid their hands on them. Now, this is not at all saying that the food program is less important than the teaching or prayer. What it's saying is we just need the right people doing it. And it's so important that the apostles lay their hands on them personally and pray that the Holy Spirit would fill them to do that job. You might say, why do you need, why do you need the Holy Spirit to make sure you can give out food? Well, because when the Holy Spirit's involved, a lot of great things can happen. And so the, the point here is that everyday things, even food, can be highly spiritual connections for people to God. And we take those things so seriously, we value those things so much that we send each other out in the power of the Holy Spirit to do everyday tasks. The everyday things of your life are so important that we want to be praying for you, lifting you up, and seeing that the Holy Spirit empowers you because that's just as important, if not perhaps even more, than what I'm doing on this stage right now. And the Holy Spirit is concerned about everyday people doing everyday tasks and empowering those people to serve and bring about the work of the kingdom in those places. You see the result here. It says, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So there's this powerful impact on the community around them. The city around them is being transformed, and more and more people are growing because they are seeing the beauty of God's community. They're seeing the beauty of what God is doing amongst these people that aren't separating themselves based on race. They're not uh, specializing and saying that one person is better than another. Everybody is welcomed in. New, old, young, rich, poor. Everybody is valued. Everybody is contributing. Everyone's taking responsibility. There's more we could say, but we've, we've got to keep going. So let's look at this last thing here. And shared power. What I want you to just... Reflect on for a moment is how our, our desire for celebrity in our culture is a pursuit of power. And when we pursue power within the church, we miss the mark just really badly. And we've seen just story after story in recent years of pastors and leaders within the Christian faith who have pursued power or used power in illegitimate ways over people. And have caused great harm, not just to individuals, but to entire communities and even the reputation of God. And what we need to do is not be people who pursue power, who not pursue celebrity, but people who pursue the person of Jesus in such a way that other people are also empowered. And I want to flip to another scene now. Um, and there's this guy, Simon. Simon is a, it's said he's a magician. Um, I don't think this is like an illusionist, okay? He's not going to kids' birthday parties. What this means is he's practicing dark magic. He's practicing the occult. He's practicing uh, you know, fortune teller readings and these kinds of things. He's using the dark spiritual world. And he sees and witnesses something. He sees the apostles doing exactly what they did to those seven men, going around, putting their hands on people, praying for them, and then they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. He says, I want that power too. 
I want that power. I want to be that celebrity. I want to be that guy that people look at as being powerful as well. So it says, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. The church can't be a place where we look for opportunities to gain power or manipulate other people. The church can't be a place where we pursue celebrity or we pursue some kind of status because you're leading a ministry or look at me, I organized this event. or And that can sometimes happen even in a church of our size. This is a place where we are empowered by the Spirit to serve. Just like those people who were empowered to serve in the food program, the Spirit of God fills each one of us so that we can serve each other. You see, that was the model of Jesus, wasn't it? Jesus has all the power in the world, it says. And in Philippians chapter 2 is the greatest passage on this. It says that Jesus, who didn't have anything, he was no less than God, but he didn't cling to those things. He let them all go and he came in the person of a servant for our sake. So here in this church, we don't cling for power. We don't look for prestige. We don't try to become some kind of minor Christian celebrity. Instead, we look to have God empower us to take care of those needs around us that we see, to take care of those people who are being overlooked, to take care of those who are being excluded, who are in pain, who are suffering. We can't buy this, but it's an incredible gift that we've been offered. There's no way you can buy your way into favor with God. There's no way that you can purchase His power, but He'll freely give it to you if you ask. And he'll allow each one of us to receive his personal presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit, that will empower us to take care of each other, to make beautiful things happen, to even overcome conflict in relationships, and to bring newness of life that represents the kingdom of Jesus well. So this is the summary of it all for us today on the next slide. Every person, Every day, empowered by the Spirit of God. No celebrities. No people with special status. God doesn't show any favoritism. Each of us contributing to the whole. So I want to invite you to consider what your responsibility is, what your part to play in all of this is. How it is that you can make your uh, your gift present amongst us. What has God given you to do? What is it He's provided for you to share? How is it that you can contribute to that greater beautiful picture of the kingdom? And I leave you with that so that we as a church would know the life of Jesus amongst us. So that we as a church would show the love of Jesus amongst us. May his kingdom come. May his will be done here in Stratford as in heaven. Amen.